This week we'll be talking about new details emerging from the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet trailer, including joining a Pokemon University, hunting for treasure, and riding your legendary Pokemon like a Harley. Vroom, vroom. Can't wait. Uh, we get first look at Dead Drop, the Call of Duty killer, fueled by NFTs and backed by Dr. Disrespect, if you remember that guy. Activision Blizzard asks, would you pay $45 for a skin? Maybe. Square Enix slimming down its company to secure its spot on this season of the next purchase publisher? Can't wait for that episode, you know what I mean? Uh, Zenless Zone gameplay is finally here, and I am so excited. And more on Season 6, Episode 30 of Press X to start podcast. What's up, everyone? I am your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. I am the final evolution of Quaxley, and I can't wait to play with my uh, previous forms coming in this fall. Let's go. Who else is here? It's your heavyweight champ from Witch Wood, California, a.k.a. The Janitor, because we watch niggas, a.k.a. Fuck David Zasloff and everybody that love him, a.k.a. Let's go. We live in a lay chonk supremacy over here, Marcus Ellison. <laughs> I'm not going to relitigate my issue with what you just said, but more power to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, who are you? I mean, you know, I am Avery. That's all you need to uh, know. Ah, yes, yes. Consistency is key. I love it. I feel like you should say that from now on. I'm Avery and that's all you need to know. That, that, <laughs> that feels, that's fire. That feels, that feels antagonistic and that feels like I'm challenging people to figure out who I am. I don't need anyone looking me up. <laughs> Fair I point. Bob, I don't want a Bob Odenkirk situation right now, man, where I can't even casually enjoy the internet without people questioning my love of feet. <laughs> oh, you didn't, you didn't know that? What? Bob Odenkirk has an Instagram, and he only follows like five people. And then the other day, he followed like an uh, Instagram account called Good Feet and Pretty Shoes. It blew oh. up on the internet. He had to unfollow, and now people are just shaming him for liking feet. Yikes. Oh, come like on, feet. Bob. I mean, if he like feet, he like feet, you know? That's what wiki feet for, man. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Just get a subscription, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now you know who we are and what Bob, what's his name? Bob, Bob Kirk? Odenkirk. Odenkirk. Okay. And what Bob Odenkirk likes. Uh, Press XR Podcast is a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, review the biggest games, and give you our thoughts on the games we are playing. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view. It's our point of view. You know what I mean? Um, all right. Well, with that being said, you know what I mean? Fred Flintstone. All right. Let's jump into the quick hits. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I press the button and my mouth just kind of goes on autopilot and my brain's like, wait, wait, I didn't mean to press the button. It's too late. All right, Avery, take it away. I'm done talking. Uh, cool beans. I, our first story is from, yeah, it's from Eurogamer. It's from Tom Phillips. Uh, so Dr. Disrespect, one of the infamous uh, Twitch streamers who got kicked off of Twitch for an unknown reason. We still, to this day, do not know why he was deplatformed from Twitch. Right now, he's just on YouTube. Uh, 
He's also better known for most people who aren't in the Twitch ecosystem for winning a game award for uh, Streamer of the Year and then being oh, yeah. caught cheating on his wife with uh, one of his fans. So that's a situation that he's had to deal with. Down horrendous. Yeah, he's an infamous streamer who puts on the personality of a video game WWE character. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Which is what attracted me to him in the first place. Like, this is actually hilarious that he's doing this character, but then the longer it's gone on, the longer it's like, when you only exist on the internet as a character, do you exist in any other form? And so when you react as this character to literally everything, is it not just you reacting? This has been my long preamble about Dr. Disrespect to point out that a while ago <laughs> he said he was doing his own video game. Uh, he built this studio, I believe, called... Fuck, I, uh, I had the name in my head. Anyway, he built the studio, and then in his Dr. Disrespect way of, like, hyping shit up, when COD had their big uh, reveal for Modern Warfare 2, he said, oh, man, if you've seen COD, my game's gonna blow it out of the water. Those are the words he said, and I'm not a marketing guy or a PR guy, but, like, if I'm one of those two, and I'm part of a small team making a game, I don't want the founder of our company in any way, shape, or form challenging the best FPS game in the world. Yeah. When, so he came out with this, came out swing, and because of the way his game is made, in that they put out every six weeks a snapshot or of a game to its paid founders who are getting NFTs, which is how his game is being funded with NFTs. Uh, we got a I first look at his game called Dead Drop, which is a looter shooter FPS. So it's like an escape from Tarkov situation where you're gathering loot and extracting it. It seems to be a dystopian cyberpunk-esque game, so it's distinct enough from those games. But from all footage, it looks like a well-put-together game, but it doesn't look like a Call of Duty killer, if that makes sense. Not at all. Nothing ever does. (laughs) Yeah. um, According to some publishers, there's nothing special about it, but we'll move on from there. Yeah, it it doesn't it doesn't give you the feel of Call of Duty Killer if you're if you're watching this footage. Um it looks like a uh fan project of a of a first person. Yeah, it looks shooter. like a high quality fan project. This is a game in yeah. early, early alpha. Like there's nothing playable about this game as of yet. There's sections right. you can walk around and interact with, but like to say you are like this is a beta that they're releasing to releasing to people. To test things, this is nowhere close to that. I'm not even gonna hold you. This looks way too slow to be a Call of Duty killer. Well, that's because yeah. the Tarkov game. And those games <laughs> are just slow as hell. So, like, if he said, "Oh, if you've seen Escape from Tarkov," or "Hell, if you've seen the Cycle," my game blows it out of the water. That's more believable in terms of like a genre. That makes sense, right? Yeah, and like as you saw, where he opens up the menu, it does look more like a Escape from Tarkov, or even a like a PUBG in terms of like you're putting on arm and stuff onto your body yeah so yeah i i get wanting to babe ruth it and call your shot but but people need to stop calling themselves certain game killers or people need to stop putting themselves in competition with things that if you really read the tea leaves or look at the content they're not in competition they need to stop doing that shit because they're setting themselves up to fail a lot of the time right right it's not worth it like It'd probably be more impactful if he just said, hey, look, I'm working on this new first person shooter where, you know, I'm inspired by Call of Duty versus trying to call the Call of Duty killer. Because if you position it that way, 
people are going to wait for the first drop of this content just to flame it yeah. because yeah. that's the I, internet and yeah, it, you know it, that's what they yeah, did it, yeah it doesn't help that doc is at this point an unlikable sort of character between the rhetoric the doctor just like rhetoric and his just general like like a uh, good example it's paul tassie the, the former writer who's just super interested in all these types of games has been doing a lot of like research and into doc in this game and everything was made and like he was doing his due diligence as a reporter but disrespect was just railing him for no reason <laughs> when like paul was just asking simple questions like paul asked one of the big things they touted was the snapshots where every six months we're gonna not even six months six weeks we're gonna send you a development build so we can build the game with the fans and paul tax was like is that possible let me ask other game journalists and disrespect went like a rant about how I don't need to ask any other game developers how to make my game. And like, like I said, at what point is this the character or you, Guy Beam, the person? Yeah, like, exactly. Avery, reacting. To that's that. what us in the wrestling community call going hill and doing the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this game is oh, far from complete, so we'll see it maybe in the next two years or probably in the next year when the game goes into early access for the next five years. I think it's made. Y'all gonna put that joint on your uh, on your fantasy list? <laughs> I mean, I, my fantasy list is essentially only games that I would play. So, like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like, would I put this these... on my twenty twenty four fantasy list? <laughs> no, never. No. Like, my issue with the looter, these looter type games, is that there's no end to them. Like. I could put in a hundred hours into this game, and then for the game to be functional, it's going to wipe off all my progress. So there's a new wipe for me to keep coming back to. I don't yeah. find that fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, our next story. This is from Reuters. Interesting. This is from Julie Zhu and Selena Lee. Uh, exclusive. Tencent seeks bigger stake in Assassin's Creed maker Ubisoft. So around a couple years ago, uh, Vivendi was trying to eat Ubisoft. Uh, like they were trying to devour them. Uh, Kinky. Like hungry, hungry hippo style, you know. No, no, I'm talking about like, like uh, Lovecraftian horror. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> like I said, <laughs> kinky. <laughs> <laughs> they got a whole Cthulhu mask and everything. <laughs> they're, 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 they're going into the vor category. Oh, God. <laughs> More like a nope situation. <laughs> so they tried to do that. Uh, Ubisoft did a bunch of like very public and like very like good financial business moves to uh, fight off Vivendi. And one of the things they did was uh, get a very very small stake of their company to Tencent. Fast forward a couple years later, Ubisoft is now on the back foot. I can't tell if a lot of the decisions they made during that time have not panned out, or if their uh, misconduct during that time is what like lit the fire of the situation. But essentially, Tencent has made it clear that they want to acquire a bigger stake of Ubisoft, which probably entails actually acquiring Ubisoft to their portfolio. And I'm of two minds of this in that while I do believe that Ubisoft can put out good, interesting games and they're on the track to do those with more Splinter Cell, whatever the hell Beyond Good and Evil is, and uh, the evolution of certain game franchises that they've been doing a good stewardship with, I think they would benefit from a seat change in leadership. But yeah, I don't think Tencent should be the one to do that. Yeah, I, I think I think it's interesting because, you know, per our experience with watching how Tencent 
manage this stuff. They do just kind of, you know, invest in a company and just kind of sit back and let the company do what they were doing and just, you know, just get some of that money. So it is possible that Tencent would just kind of do the same thing. So I don't know if they are trying to get Ubisoft and they do get Ubisoft. I don't really know if there's going to be any difference other than the fact that Ubisoft right now is having a hard time with creating properties that stick, essentially. I think there'd be a a larger China influence, and that makes sense, into what Ubisoft puts out. Oh, absolutely. Assassin's Creed in China? Okay. You know, that could work. (laughs) You play as Genghis Khan. The first assassin. (laughs) I'm not going to go deep deep diving into any Assassin's Creed lore, but uh, yeah, I mean... I'm interested to see where this goes. I don't look like Ubisoft's actually going to fight this time, unlike when they fought with Vivendi. I'm generally interested in what's going to happen with that company, especially like there used to be a period of time where Ubisoft was my favorite third-party developer. That has changed significantly with the evolution of one of my favorite franchises, Assassin's Creed, to a game franchise I won't touch, and the general mismanagement of the first-party single-player games that they used to have that I was super into, like Splinter Cell, the Rayman games. What even happened with Beyond Game and Evil 2? Like, like, there's a little bit of news that came out this week that that game finally got a writer, which makes no sense when that game has been in development for five years. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that's fucking wild. Yo, our graphics are top-notch. We have no story, though. (laughs) (laughs) We don't know what's happening in this game, but it looks great. I just... I don't know. Crazy, man. It's absolutely crazy. In other media conglomerate bullshit... This is from uh, GameIndustry.biz. Uh, this is from uh, James Batchelor. Cock, I, I think is Cock Media. Rebrands as <laughs> Play On to acknowledge who we truly are. This is a very small story, but it's a very interesting story in that it is this group who have a hard to pronounce name because of like it because there's a way you want to pronounce it, but then you're in your head like it probably can't be that. Right, right. Change their name to a name that if they don't tell you how it's pronounced, you're going to pronounce it wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So this company makes games? Yes. Porn games? No, no, just games. (laughs) Oh oh god, no. Would you like to join the cock? Right. Yeah, but it's um, it's good that they're changing their name to. I it's not as confusing. It's a little bit better, but that I really yeah, should that, just that be why. If you tell yeah. me it's supposed to be play on, then why you? Why did you spell it play on? Yeah, like ah, yikes, yikes, man! I just, I just don't know. It's another interesting thing about this entire corporate org bullshit. Like, apparently, Koch Media was part of the Embracer Group. Mm-hmm. So I like, I don't even know. I put like in my video game industry like knowledge. I have no idea what this company is. I remember they did a press conference where they showed no games, just talked a bunch, and I was bored out of my mind. And <laughs> I still don't know what they do. I'm pretty sure Koch. I don't know if they still are, but I'm pretty sure Koch had a recording studio. Like I'm pretty sure Koch Records was a thing. Really? Yeah. Well, that will be interesting. Are, are they? It turns out they just making music in the background. Is that is that what their whole end goal is? Maybe. Uh. Okay, so just a quick uh, rundown of what uh, Koch Media now Plyon owns. Uh, the biggest is Deep Silver, 
which gives them volition. So they're the team that's working on the next Saints Row game. Everything else is a bunch of European studios that I have no idea what they make. So I can't even mm. tell you mm. like what to expect out of them outside of the next Saints Row. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. It, it's, it is one of those things where, you know, everyone just kind of wondering what is Embracer Group? What's their goal by just buying up all these studios and then having Kosh, or I guess, play on be a branch of that? And it's like, okay, well, what are you guys doing? And there, we still just don't have an answer other than they're going to make games, but we just don't have any games from them. It is, I, I could be jumping the gun, but I feel like... I, I feel like Saints Row is probably the first triple A level game that's coming out of this whole conglomerate of yes. money. So right. it's simple, Pinky. <laughs> Try to take over the world. <laughs> I mean, they gotta find the Microsoft for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny now, but then when they like um either partner with or just buy Tencent, then it's like, oh, this is this is a problem. This is an actual problem. <laughs> I mean, in the corporate consolidation and fucking uh, buying publishers crowd, right now that like I, I have no I have no idea where we're going because like certain companies I understand why they're making these moves, like a Microsoft or to lesser extent a Sony, why they make these moves. I can't tell you what's Ten Cent's motive behind the moves they make. I can't tell you what the Embracer Group's motives for the games they make. So it's it, it, like it can go in any direction. Yeah. Our next story, I don't have a lot to really say, but uh, this is going to be a very DJ focused thing. So this is from The Verge. This is from uh, Ash Parrish. Uh, I, I apologize for the uh, pronunciation of your name. Got that lisp. Uh, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's new trailer shows trainer schools and PokeCycles. So Pokemon Scarlet and uh, Violet have had their, uh, not their big rollout, but more details on what those games are after they were announced, and we got a brief idea of what they were going to be on. Uh, yep. They revealed only a couple brand new Pokemon. That's a little bit disappointing. They uh, gave more context to what their legendaries are, and in the grand scheme of this game being an open-world game in a more pronounced vein than uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, that the difference between these legendaries and the other ones is that they are now your mo- means of travel and transportation, so in the vein of them finally gutting HMs and what those mean to the franchise, if you want to fly now, you jump on the back of this uh, Pokemon. Uh, there's yep. that. Room, room, bit. <laughs> they, uh, they, they show up a bunch room, of the room. new Pokemon, and then they introduce their next fucking Pokemon gimmick. Uh, so I want to say it's, without looking it up, Terrestrialization. I think that's it right there. In which your Pokemon turn into crystals that changed their type. Yep. Yes, I think. Well, yeah. yes. Oh god, uh, the crystal girls have gotten to Pokemon. <laughs> I think before before I let DJ go on because he's super excited for this game, I think that I'm still in a very much wait and see approach to this game, in that the format in which they're building it doesn't really interest me. I'm of the mindset that if you're going to go all in on modern game design things the game should feel like a modern game design game. And the fact mm-hmm. that we still live in a Pokemon world where there are no voices, that the world itself doesn't look at the caliber of texture and design that other open worlds, even on the Switch, look. 
is a little just like there are a bunch of half measures for me that makes the step in this direction less interesting. What will make me play this game is what Pokemon are going to be introduced. And this trailer didn't have enough new interesting Pokemon to really get me to like be like, I right, this is a day one purchase. So I'm gonna wait and see approach with this. DJ. Okay. okay, yeah. So um Avery has basically gave us a, a good rundown of what they've shown in this trailer that I'm playing right now. Um, overall, I am pretty excited for this. As I mentioned in my AKA, I will be a Quaxley. Quaxley? Am I saying that right? Quaxley main? Um, and I, I understand the hesitance that Avery has because I also, you know, am looking at this game from the lens of uh, this is Game Freak doing the best they can, I'm guessing, because like this doesn't necessarily look amazing. I just I always like just being involved in living in the Pokemon world for like, you know, the two months that I two or three months that I play the game and then, you know, kind of move on. But I like them putting us in the world of these, like, I guess, Pokemon University students. I think that's a cool approach. Like, it feels very Harry Potter, but with Pokemon to me in a way. So yeah, I was going to say I'm, that too. Yeah, so I'm hoping that there's more to do with that, and because like in the trailer they talk about um, you're hunting for treasure, and it's like, what what does that mean? Like you never hunt for treasure in Pokemon. You really, you you hunt for like a, a legendary Pokemon. I think they are doing a lot to change up the normal formula where they're giving us the Pokemon from the start, apparently, and you can ride them. I think that's cool, but you know, the chase has always been for the legendary Pokemon. So I wonder how that's going to change the chase for this, other than this whole treasure thing. Uh, go ahead, Avery, you want to say something? Yeah, so like in that vein, where we're talking about the Pokemon University and things like that, another one of my big things about these changes of narrative that they're putting, the, like the changes to the game's design about an open world is Pokemon games have never had a good story. Like they've had okay You're not wrong. stories. They've had okay <laughs> stories. And like, Open world games don't uh, like lend well to like really thoughtful, well thought out stories. So like the forward progression that their narratives have gotten feels like it's going to take a step back. Like a lot of this feels like half step, half magic kind of thing. I don't mm -hmm. necessarily feel like from anything they showed me, especially the weirdness of oh, well, this game is going to be split into three narratives. One is your yeah. the gym challenge, which is like okay, we well, just one thing I like and will keep me. Uh, interested in a Pokemon game, despite their weirdness of you can take them in any, you can go in any direction that you can. However, there's yeah. no level scaling. So like, there's clearly a way they want you to take all these gym missions and like- There's gonna be a golden step, path for sure. Which is, like, which is another half step. I'm like, okay, there's not really a freedom unless you wanna, to Marcus's point, spend 70 hours training a full team of LeChonk so you can take on the, the last gym leader first or some bullshit like that. But yeah, like, and then they don't talk about one shot the, the last gym leader. But they don't talk about what the last two stories are going to be. But in my head, they're obviously going to be based on everything I know about Pokemon and them all the half vendors that are going through. That all three of these stories are all in every Pokemon game. It's whatever the evil team is going to be in this game, and be like whatever Rocket, the yeah. uh whatever whatever story they're telling with the legendary Pokemon. So I don't know why they're obfuscating like, oh, man, we're doing something new yeah. and interesting with this. Well, we yeah. know it's going to be. So, like, that's why I think it's, it's interesting, because I, I think they're going to try and change up that story plot. Because, yeah, it is a thing of, like, we're so accustomed to 
those particular story narratives in Pokemon. So in this case, it's like, all right, well, why would you create a level of like mystique around it when we know what it's going to be? So I, I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to probably do something a little different in that case. Yeah, they're probably um, going to subvert at least one of those. I don't know yeah. if they're going to subvert both. Like there's probably going to at least be something dealing with the legendaries or there's going to be something dealing with the evil team. But I don't think both of those things are going to be there. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because I, I, I totally get everybody's like hesitance in terms of like, nah, this is Pokemon. They've, they've pretty much stuck with the formula. So, but yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. I, I That part, I'm just like, whatever. Because, you know, for me, Pokemon, uh, as Avery said, has never really been about the story. It's more about like the new Pokemon you get in the gameplay. And with this, they're... Oh, go ahead, go ahead Mark. No, I was just going to uh, say that I wonder if the treasure hunting things, because we were just talking about how crystals or the terrestrialization is turning the Pokemon into crystals. Maybe that's the treasure. Maybe it's crystallized Pokemon that you're trying to find. Right. Uh, yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, but you say crystallized, I say bedazzled. So this whole <laughs> new feature of bedazzling your Pokemon, I think, is ridiculous in that the the Gigamax felt like man you guys ran out of ideas but this feels like you guys really ran out of ideas like 100 happening yeah like i i think i think the idea of i want to be digimon like, so in, bad <laughs> like you i know, think digimon the, I, hasn't been shit for 10 years <laughs> but was still superior in the trailer they mentioned how like you can get an EV and there's a possibility of the EV crystallizing into like a grass type or a water type. And I think things like that is cool because that's no. going to affect like competitive play. Yeah. But, that is the cool thing about that idea is that yeah. there is now a mystique to, okay, I'm going to throw out a fucking, uh, let's say a Steelix. Mm -hmm. Cool. The Steelix crystallized. It's no longer steel type, it's a water type. So the fire type right. Pokemon you brought into this fight, thinking you had stab, Not is no work. longer going to be effective. That's a cool yep. idea. But the implementation of what that looks like in comparison to all the other shit they've done feels weird. It does. It really does. It I, also kind I, I of do... makes some of the names redundant. Like if you turn a Steelix into a non steel type, then it's like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> okay, cool. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, like I do I'll continue to do that. Okay. I, I do like the fact that like this is going to happen for all the Pokemon. I, I really, really hope that they take the time to make the like the changes in type more pronounced through a lot of the Pokemon and not just like four types of Pokemon that can do the change type thing. Because like yeah, because like like I, I I see you like you know yeah. bobbing your head. Yeah, we, yeah, I we, get uh, that. After V moves, uh, Mega Forms, uh, and Gigantamaxes, and then uh, the half steps of all of those, like what I think is going to happen is that all Pokemon are going to have a uh, terrestrialization. Yeah. If they're smart, what they terrestrialize is going to be entirely random, so they don't have to do any work. Oh. But, but what? Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Random in terms of like, 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 the, like the game picks it the one time, and that's what it goes to. Yes, not okay, a okay. E, like, like the, the description was an Eevee could be a water or grass type. From that description, I'm like, okay, if I'm looking for a terrestrial like Eevee, it's going to be either one of those types, or okay. what I hope it's going to be is like, oh, it's going to be random. It could be any type. 
Yeah. Which is yeah. what I hope they go on. But based on yeah. everything they've done, what I think they're going to do is that they're going to bespoke pick a couple of types. Most Pokemon are going to terrestrialize to their same type. And everyone, like maybe 15 or 20, are going to have unique terrestrialization types that change the way they function. That's yeah. what I'm assuming. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they might do a thing where the type change is going to be tied to the nature of the Pokemon because the nature was a thing that, you know, they played around with. And I think the raid battles that they have, they show like, oh, you get specialized Pokemon crystal bedazzle forms of these Pokemon. I think that might be where you find the the Pokemon that goes against their nature in terms of when they bedazzle themselves. So like, yeah, I, I think, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of just, we're, um, we're in the weeds. Speculating. Uh, yeah. We, we, like, like I said, one of my things I disliked about this trailer is that we only got three new Pokemon announced in it. Two are brand new and one is just Wooper but Brown. So I'm like, I need, I need more African American Wooper. Let's go. Dude, I don't want to get Black History this. Month Wooper. I need to see more. Pokemon. I hate. I need to see more. Real Pokemon. quick though, real quick. I hate the fact that they're like, yes, this brown skin Wooper is poisonous. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> that Wooper is poison. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um yeah, like overall I, I you know, like Pokemon, like um they already got me in the bag, like I'm gonna buy it. So I'm gonna be here for it. I, I think the one thing that there's a potential of it being really cool where like, you know, um Marcus talked about having a a team full of Lechongs or whatever. And like, you know, if you find like the right crystallization of forms of them, he could have like a, a diverse team. And it's just like, hey, look, this normal type Pokemon, because obviously it's going to be a normal type. It can, it has a fire type version of it, has a grass type, has a water type, electric, Excuse me. rock. Excuse me. Lechonk is a thick type. <laughs> Put some respect on his name. Hey, hey, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. Please Before we move me. on, there's one thing I forgot to talk about, is that they sort of fully uh, unveiled it's also a four-player Pokemon game, and that you and your friends can team up and play Pokemon together, which... yeah. I, I don't remember how it worked in Sword and Shield when we did it in the wild area, but like my issue with most four like multiplayer turn-based games is there's an inherent kind of boringness to teaming up with others when they're just going to stand there for two to three minutes, not interacting so, with anything. Right. So, uh, it, thank you for um for mentioning that because in the raid battles, it's no longer turn-based. So each person is attacking and either healing themselves in their own time. So ATB. I right, yeah. So I, I think like that's really cool. That's interesting. I would love to see how that actually works. And I, I'm wondering if when you are playing four player co-op, how does that work if you just fight a normal Pokemon? That's my like, thing. That's my thing. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. These half steps. Like, okay, you yeah. solved the multiplayer turn-based issue with active time battle, but then you seem to have only reserved that to raids when that needs to be an active thing that happens with every interaction in the world. Right. Your right. characters aren't, I, this guy's just in a battle that we can't interact with for the next two and a half minutes. Let me put my person in front of the Pokemon see what happens. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see, we'll see though. It comes out in November 
ooh, November what? Uh, yeah, end of the year. Yeah, yeah, sometime in November. Um, all right. Uh, before we talk about Activision Blizzard asking us if we're gonna pay some money for some skins in Overwatch. Uh, hey there. If you're enjoying this video so far, this video, this podcast, whatever you're listening to, however you're getting our our content, if you're enjoying it, do us a favor. Jump on YouTube and hit the like button on this video. Hit the subscribe button and then hit the notification bell. We are actually bouncing back from whatever hiccup we had before and we're having people subscribe to our channel. So please, if you haven't, subscribe to our channel just so we can get to 100 views. After that, no, you guys still keep the subscription because we need to keep the 100 views so we can have our own custom URL that says Press X Start Podcast, which is the best podcast ever. Make sure you join our podcast as our you know URL for YouTube. So please do that and help us out. Yeah, okay, with that being said, let us get back into the show. Avery, what is happening with Activision Blizzard? Okay, so uh, this is from Kotaku from uh, Isaiah Colbert. Blizzard asked Overwatch players if they pay $45 for a skin. Now, before we all react in the way I assume most people are going to react, this is a survey that went out, uh, I guess, to people who played the beta. I've played enough Valorant to know that the answer to this question is yes. <laughs> Don't fight it. <laughs> Don't fight it. $45 is a steal. <laughs> it's a steal. <laughs> look, look, all right. As someone who to this day has over 250 loot boxes in Overwatch <laughs> that I earned from hard man hours <laughs> I probably wouldn't unless unless it's a skin that involves either Junker Queen or May because okay, so you've gotten to you've gotten to the rub in which I'm thirsty <laughs> I'm thirsty this, this headline was clearly written by a person who doesn't play free to play shooters right and this is the trap that all free-to-play games are going to have to go into, and how do you monetize yourself, and how do you monetize yourself well? Apex has a thing where uh, if you want a legendary skin, it's about $20, which I think is relatively fair. If you want an heirloom or a mythic skin, that's where the money goes insane. Either you earn 500 loot boxes, where up until this last uh, uh, level increase, it was impossible to just earn naturally in the game, or... You bought 500 loot boxes, which is going to cost you around $500, or you waited till the uh, item was unlocked, and you unlocked two, around $240 to $275 worth of cosmetics to unlock it, with the offset being this mythic and heirloom has unique animations, uh, okay. offers you okay. more content than you normally have, and it, it does your taxes. It is generally a rare thing, and uh, from the overall perspective, they are. Uh, it seems like they're only charging this $45 for mythic skins, which is the thing they talked about in their dev diary about these like customizable uh, like skins that you can like yeah. have cool new effects. So specifically yeah. the Genji one they showed off, which is like cool ass skin. Yeah, I'm not. I don't have a problem with this. Just in my understanding of how these games work and all that type of shit, I understand from a like, uh, I guess the person who doesn't want to put money into this game, the idea of asking me for forty five dollars for now a free-to-play game is ludicrous. But if you ask this question, the answer is yes. There's already so much data that says they're going to play it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think... To look up clips for Valorant guns and, like, 
You want to spend $75 on a knife in Valorant? <laughs> Look that shit up. I will say, in comparison to, like, what you were saying with, like, Valorant, where people are paying, like, $75 and stuff for Mythics, $45 in comparison, like you said, is a steal. Just stuff that they have to upgrade to then do cool stuff. Right. Like, so it's, it's honestly, $45 isn't bad. I don't know. It'd have to be one hell of a skin for a character that I actually play. Uh... Because the last time, and I think really the only time I've spent money on Overwatch was so that I could get Lucio's uh, DJ set emote, which you could only get through either, I think, spending like $10 or having Overwatch League uh, points. And since I didn't have any Overwatch League points, I just said, all right, I'll drop $10 so I can get this emote that I use every time I'm in the spawn room. So No yeah. one has Overwatch League points. That franchise is dead. <laughs> and Blizzard killed it. <laughs> yeah, like, it is one of those things where, you know, on the face of it, you're like, no, absolutely not. $45, that's too much. But with perspective with you playing this game for potentially years $45 is not going to seem like a bad deal especially like yeah like if you are playing a character consistently and it's just like man I, I want this character to look as cool as possible you're probably gonna drop the $45 because it's just like I might as well support this game because I love this game I'm, I'm playing this game consistently yeah. and like that's one of the things where <clears throat> now me okay that's that's me being objective Subjectively, I think it gets kind of weird because this game is a first-person shooter. So you're not necessarily seeing the skin all the time unless, like, you know, you're hanging in menus or... When you do, like, a taunt, does that yeah. switch when out the third person? Yeah. You switch the third yeah. person. Okay, okay. So, like, there are possibilities of you seeing the skin, so... Or you see yourself me, on the kill like... cam after you die. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Dying in style. Exactly. So there's a possibility of like the $45 being completely worth it if you just suck at the game and you just die all the time, you know? Yeah. But like, I don't, I don't know. It, it's tough to say because like right now I'm just like, I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant. But then I look at like how much money I spent in Gundam. It's just like, all right, moving on. What I will say <laughs> is as long as they don't, because I know they're not doing SR anymore, but as long as they don't do what is SR. SR is, um, oh, I forget what it stands for, but basically it's slick Rick. Oh. Basically, it's points you accumulate from doing comp games or no, no, oh, your okay, rank okay. in your, your rank in a uh, comp. Yeah. But as long as they don't do away with competitive points that you gain, because I have like three or four golden guns uh, in Overwatch for characters that I've played a lot and put the time in to get those. And as long as I don't have to pay for those, as long as I can still use the comp points for those, then yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's 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 the interesting thing. In now that Overwatch is going from a uh, a loot box system where there was only one currency, which was the gold you got from either a random box or like duplicates, it's now going to Mm -hmm. get into a situation where it's going to have multiple types of currency to balance the fact that it's a uh, free to play game now, which is going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I think my question, and of course we don't have the answer, is like, all right, with this being a $45 skin, is that the only way to get the skin? Or can yes, you get the it skin? Yes, it? it will be 100%. It will be the only oh. way to get the skin. Like, no game releases, like, valuable content at that level and then doesn't make you pay for it. Yeah. Like like I said, in Apex, the only way to have gotten an heirloom was to 
open 500 loot boxes and I would say guarantee you're going to get it. Yeah. Before this update, they only gave you around 200 free loot boxes, which means at a certain okay. point, you would have to have put money into the game to get a free heirloom, to get right, an heirloom. Yeah. I got my first heirloom at like maybe 120 loot boxes, maybe half of which I spent money on. And then I got my second heirloom mm. from like just one day spending $270 on a bunch of cosmetics, which were all fire. Okay. I don't regret them because they're all fucking right. banger cosmetics. And then I got the Watson heirloom. Right. Okay. Okay. I see. I see. Yeah. So yeah, the answer is the answer is yes. I like yeah. yeah that game happen. told me I had to spend two hundred seventy dollars, and I said, you know what? There. <laughs> there. Like I, I will say that like it's a similar system in Gundam in that, for example, like the unicorn that I was talking about like last week, they had a seven step uh, spin where each step you get closer, and the seven step you actually get the suit like guaranteed. So like you do if you save up, it's like. 200 and something tokens but you get three tokens a day for doing the daily so like there are people who are saving up but they were saving up since like february or something so like there's a chance of getting it just naturally playing the game but more than likely you're gonna have to spend money they want because... they, a good free-to-play game wants you to spend money exactly exactly they will never balance the system to be in a way that is fair and easy to get shit they will balance the system in a way that you can get shit or you spend a little money beat it up yeah, just tap that credit card. You know what? Money, doing. please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our final story and this is from VGC. Shout out to them. This is from Chris Scullion. Square Enix has reportedly confirmed it's looking to sell stakes in its studio. This is a weird multifaceted of the story that it has multiple uh, factors beyond just the headline of selling stakes. They uh, talked about some of the reasons why they sold their Western studios, what they wanted to focus those resources on their Eastern development. They've talked about how the selling stakes is for them to streamline their content and free up capital to do other things in them, which honestly sounds like underperforming studios that don't perform well, they're going to sell stakes to that. So that in a world in which Square Enix gets bought out, those studios can easily be sold off to make the deal smoother, I believe. All in all, this story pretty much boils down to the ongoing narrative that Square Enix is preparing itself to be sold. Yep. So, I mean, who do y'all, who do y'all think is going to bite? Okay, let me, let me rephrase that. Beyond Sony, who do you think could be runner-up to bite? It has to be a Tencent. Like, it has to be a... Yeah. A, it has to be a giant uh, Chinese or non-Western developer publishing brand that's just going to want the capital from the Final Fantasy games, the Kingdom Hearts games, the Dragon Quest games. Do you think that a Chinese studio would buy a Japanese studio? Hmm. If we remove, like, I'm just thinking who had the capital to buy Square? It has to be another publishing brand. Oh, right, yeah. All the other ones I can think of there's no real reason for why they would want to buy this. Would Microsoft? Microsoft would definitely want to buy Square. Yeah. But can Microsoft buy Square after spending $70 billion on Activision Blizzard? They can. They have the money. But do you think a governing body would see them make that move and then let them immediately make this move? Yeah. I think it gets kind of tricky for Microsoft to, while being litigated for 
the Activision Blizzard purchase purchase another studio. But I mean, I don't I don't really know law, so like you know they could just be like, yeah, fuck, yeah, we could do it. We got the money. Like, okay, we'll just sit through the rules. Game. I have money. Yeah, exactly. Word to Seto Kaiba. <laughs> so yeah, so it is kind of just like I don't know. I like Microsoft could do it, and that would be that'd be super crazy because that would give them a foothold in. Oh, they would have. The all, they would market. own all. They would. It wasn't even just a foothold in all the Japanese market. They would own effectively all RPGs. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're fucking right. Which is why yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I don't think a regular. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I do not see a world a regulatory board a a Japanese regulatory board let's a Western entity just buy a a wholly Japanese like uh corporation. Yeah. And then be yeah. a wet our, our Western regulatory board not see Microsoft the corporation not Xbox see them make this buy and say what the fuck. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I think yeah the only really four entities that would make sense are Microsoft, Tencent, Nintendo, and Sony. And I feel I like... It's, it's, Nintendo, it's never going to happen with Nintendo because... That's why, yeah. The, yeah, the way the Switch works, there's no value in getting your hands on any of the Final Fantasy games in their current states. When the exactly. Switch, you cannot run them. So, yeah. frankly, Sony's the only thing that makes sense because Tencent, like we said, has the capital, but there's the Chinese-Japan thing. So I'm not really sure that that would happen. Microsoft... Probably not just due to the Activision thing. Nintendo, the Switch doesn't work for it. So yeah, I think Sony's the only thing that makes sense. But that's where it gets weird for me because it's like, yes, Sony makes sense to be the ones to purchase uh, Square Enix, but they don't need to because Square Enix is already like putting all their games on PlayStation. I mean, like Nintendo also, but like, you say that, but we live in a world where Microsoft is eating other parts of the industry and just well, taking true. games that's away true. from PlayStation. Yeah. Like, yeah. they need to because exclusivity. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And what makes more sense? Spending millions of dollars for exclusivity or just having the exclusivity all right and getting all of the profit from the games? Yeah, that's true. That is true. I, I, hey, I started talking about this merger like fucking three years ago and I came back on this show and over time I'm I'm thinking more and more like a stupid prophet. Didn't happen when I thought it was gonna happen, <laughs> but I called it. He's Nostradamus, <laughs> but accidentally. Right. Yeah. yeah, beyond the acquisition stuff, I have no idea what the fuck is going on with Square Enix as an actual corporation. If like if what they're saying is true, because they're they're uh their company line is we're not doing anything to be uh, acquired. This is all stuff to make our own business work by yada yada. Everyone else walking around and saying you're doing this shit to be fired. Uh, I mean, to acquire. Yeah. Wow. But like, I, I have no I, I, I mean, like, really and truly, that could also be the case. Like they they might have blown up too big and realized that like, oh, we can't manage all of our properties and we're basically screwing the Western side over. So let's just get rid of that and kind of go back to being like the, the Japanese main side kind of thing. So. I don't know. All right. Um, you have anything else to uh, hit us with, Avery? No, that was all of them. See, all right. Despite it being a uh, sort of a, how would I say, um, anemic week of like really interesting news, I was a relatively meaty quick hits. So I'm rechristening it at long hits. And then, I mean, <laughs> slow hits. Slow hits makes more sense. Long hits. Not, <laughs> what the fuck am I talking about? So it's like, yeah, slow hits and we can move it on. All right. All right. Uh, well, before we get into what we've been playing, we have a word from our sponsors. 
It's us. Hey there. Have you been enjoying this episode? You have? Great. Well, if you're listening to the podcast, then do us a favor and leave us a review on the podcast platform you're using. If you're watching this, then like the video, subscribe to our channel, and hit the bell so you won't miss out on any of our future videos. Check out pressx2start.com to find information about us, the podcast, links to all of our social media channels, and to join our Discord. Thanks so much. We appreciate your support. Now back to the podcast. And we are back. Now it is time for us to talk about the games we have been playing. Marcus, what have you been playing? Well, uh, I finished Dre, and oh. I hopped in on the Multiverses beta because uh, I am nothing but a follower. But wait, wait, before you jump in the multiverse, what, what was your thoughts on Stray? Oh, yeah, I was going to go into Stray first oh, okay. and then go into multiverses. Cool. Um, so me and Charles made it outside. We outside. Yeah. Love it for uh, overall. I really enjoyed Stray. Um, it's definitely a like if I didn't know it at first, then I definitely knew it by the end of it, where this is definitely a triple A game or, or a double A game. Um mm-hmm. Just due to the fact that, like, you know, there's a lot of repeating animations. And, yes, they could probably hide behind the fact that they're robots. But, like, I remember I knocked down a paint can in, like, the beginning of beginning portion of being in the dead city. And that man was cleaning that same paint yeah, stain. Yeah. <laughs> like three hours later. And I'm like, OK, buddy. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the exact same feeling. I was just like, damn, you still cleaning this? Like, like, what? Are you not programmed to clean paint? Like, what's going exactly. on? Exactly. <laughs> like, what's going on here? But I really enjoyed the story of the game. It was simple but effective. Uh, I loved the obvious, but once again, still effective twist with B12. Um, I really appreciated the uh, atmosphere of the game. It was surprisingly, like, tense. I don't know about y'all, but I got this thing about like tick like things that like jump on you and like oh, so yeah. those the the zerk following me and jumping on me, it it made my skin crawl. I hate that. So like <laughs> any time where we had to run away from them or stuff like that, it was yeah. it was uh, actually butt clinch inducing because yeah. uh, <laughs> if you like the Zerk, you should check out Biomeat old manga where it's about the exact same thing yikes that nope. sounds that that sounds horrible <laughs> um so i i guess real quick spoiler thing um spoiler for stray if you haven't beat stray uh avery do you do you care have you beat you, you haven't you beat it yet i know I, I haven't played a game in two weeks i haven't oh okay yeah okay um i mean you're gonna mute you're gonna mute are you no i DJ, Avery doesn't care about spoilers. Okay, cool, cool, cool. You're not going right, to ruin my so, experience. <laughs> the part when you were in the sewers and you see the giant eye, I was Nigga. like, I don't think I'm ready for I don't think Stray has yo. the capabilities of fighting this thing. <laughs> yo, yo. Oh my God. That shit scared the fuck out of me. Like... <laughs> I, I was like, wait, this was is in a bad place. <laughs> like, 
up until that point, I was like, all of this is manageable. Everything's wow. fine. And then when that shit happened, I, the thing is, it caught me off guard, too, because I was looking forward at, like, the door. And then the sound went off. And then I turned around and there was eyes everywhere. And I'm yeah, like, nigga, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? And, the and they were all staring me, at us. The thing that bothered me the most, though, was that once you got up, like once you got out of the sewers area and you get you get to the robots, whatever. B12 don't says anything about it. like, hey, this thing is sentient. There's eyes down there. Is yeah, there? like that was that no, was like, I don't ooh. think it's sentient. Like, oh, you don't think they, it, okay. No, they clarify what the Zerk are. So, like, mm-hmm. we know we know what they evolved from. So, like, I don't think there's a actual like to once again bring this back to Nope. It's a very much a Nope situation. Wait, what? Where what are they? What? Alien? They're 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 evolved bacteria. Uh, okay. Like okay. they're like a man. Okay. They're like they're, they're like a man-made uh, type of bacteria designed to eat organic materials to help like heal the world in the aftermath of the apocalypse. And they evolved into their current macro state. Right. Uh, And it wasn't so much sentient, but it would lead you to believe it because it's a bunch of giant eyes that are looking at you. And that's that image alone. Like that was some shit straight out of like Resident Evil or Silent Hill. And I was not ready for that tone shift because up until that point, the only things that were offsetting were the Zerk. So that shit hit. And I was like, Excuse me? <laughs> no. That's not what we're going to do. And me and me and Charles ran for our lives. Uh but yeah, no, all in all, really enjoyed the game. Uh thought it ended on a beautiful note, a beautiful bit of um circular storytelling as you walk out of that tunnel, it mirrors you walking to your uh brothers and sisters at the beginning of the game. Thought that was really nice. Um yeah, it'll probably be on my at the very least uh, honorable mentions at the end of the year. I think it yeah. was a really effective double um, A game and kind of took the world by storm because most of the world cat are cat people. You know? yep. Yeah. So but yeah. the 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 last thing though is that I I wanted another like maybe like five minute section where you are out and you're like maybe like on the journey to reconnect with the other your little cat family or something like that. Like, Oh yeah. I, no. just wanted, I, I wanted to see what the actual world looks like in that current time period. Because no, like, I do agree with that. Yeah. Cause like we're, we're left to believe like, Oh, this city is like, or like they're, they're dealing with the whole Zerk thing. But then, you know, once the light opens up and it literally kills them, you're just like, Oh, so this is just like a thing for them. Like well, outside should be fine i will say that like it's through the um the in-game storytelling that they do kind of allude especially with b12 they do kind of allude to the fact that oh we're down here and we just assumed that the world up there was unlivable because we've Mm -hmm. been shut in this place but then as you go through the game and b12's like well maybe actually it's fine up there it's just nobody's been able to get up there so basically like by the you know i mean the survival world of the cats themselves yeah exactly the surface yeah exactly yeah. so i actually think the beginning of the game does take place on the surface so there isn't does, really that yeah 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 so um it would have been nice to have a little epilogue where you do get to reconnect with your with your uh family 
Uh, but you know, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, so I liked Stray um, quite a bit. Now on to multiverses, which I have mixed feelings about, because on one hand, as a self-proclaimed Smash Bros. killer, no, I do not think it is a Smash Brothers killer. Um, but as Smash Brothers competition, it is the closest thing that we have gotten and maybe will ever get, uh, unless Power Stone comes back and reclaims the throne. <laughs> so, yeah, no, uh, Multiverses is better than it has any right to be. Yeah, yeah. Especially off the back of that travesty that was the Nickelodeon game. And yeah, like so this I was honestly impressed. Yeah. It's it's funny because when the Nickelodeon game came out, I was of the mind like, oh man, this could be good. Like the characters, like you normally it's like, okay, the characters is what kind of pulls you into the game and you play the game, like, oh, this the gameplay I like. But like just how it released, there was no voice acting. Like for me, I I hated the gameplay of um uh Nickelodeon All Stars Brawler or whatever. Like I, I didn't like the choices mm-hmm. they made for it. So I was the mind like there's no way that this can stand anywhere next to Smash Brothers. But then right. playing multiverses, it was like, man, this game feels good. Like the the choices that they make in gameplay separates it from Smash Brothers from being like an exact one-to-one clone. And at first I was like, man, I wish they just did this. I wish they did that to make it closer to Smash Brothers. But then the more I played, the more I got accustomed to their gameplay mechanics. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, like I really, 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 really like the dashing and like dodging that happens in multiverses over Smash Brothers mm-hmm. because it allows you more options in the air and on the ground. Like if you use the the stuff like smartly and thinking about that and thinking back on like how I play Smash Brothers, it's very much the thing of like I play multiverses the same way I play Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. But it's taken to another level because I have more options. So, like, I realized that I use, like, spot dodging and, like, the, what, the, the rolling in Smash Brothers. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, instead of rolling, I'm doing the, the dodging or whatever back and forth. And it's, like, I'm able to play like I would in Smash in multiverses. But then, like, there's an additive to, like, the different like debuffs and buffs you can do at like with your teammate and yourself and so on, like all that stuff. And it's just like, man, I really like how everything meshes so well in multiverses. I will say that I do agree with you in terms of multiverses standing alone uh, with certain um, gameplay mechanics that is implemented. I do appreciate that they did that. Do I like them as much? No, but I respect and appreciate the fact that they did do things like actually have a teammate mechanic or, yeah. you know, yeah. kind of set up things like, uh, what is it, um, perks and stuff like that to kind of mm-hmm. differentiate the play style so it's not like a, oh, this is just Smash with WB characters. Right, right. Where my disconnect is gameplay-wise is I almost compare it to like Tekken versus Mortal Kombat. Okay. I feel like Tekken is a game that feels more fluid. So like, I feel like I can weave seamlessly combos together without any sort of like stop animation. Whereas with Mortal Kombat, yeah, especially in later games, you can string these combos together, but there is a 
there is a pause. Yeah. Yeah. There's a pause in the animations. And I feel like that way with Smash, where Smash, yes, the dodge dash mechanic in multiverses might be a little more refined. But with Smash, I'm so used to just moving at a clip yeah. right. that I like that feel more than I like the multiverses feel. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, like I. I get what you're saying because I definitely felt that. I think I actually commented on that like at some point when we were talking about where like mm. like jumping in the air and doing a down smash, there is a noticeable pause before it actually happens. Yeah. And it is very much so like, oh, that's weird. Why do they do that? And I think for me, after playing the game so much, it become a thing of like, oh, they do that so it's it's readable. So like you either have a chance as the opponent or you have a chance as the player to reposition yourself a little bit as you're doing the down smash or like if you're the opponent, you can like, oh, okay, they're about to hit me. Let me try to get out the way or something. So like I appreciate that they have done that, but it is a thing of having to relearn things like that. Because like when I first started to play, I was playing with Finn. I was like, man, I love Finn. Finn is super awesome and all this stuff. And it's just like I liked his spinning bag thing because that reminded me so much of Link. He has a down smash that is similar to Link, but that like lag in the actual down smash, I could never get it. And it was just like, why is this happening? This is so like frustrating. But then I realized like, oh, like there is that pause to allow you to adjust and to allow the enemy to whatever. So like you have to kind of utilize it a bit differently. So yeah. like it, 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 it's, it's very similar to Smash, but also very different in the same way. And like, I think... There is there's there's transferable skills between Smash and multiverses, but there's also just learning the game of multiverses. For sure, for sure. Like I definitely know that it's something that I'd have to spend a bit more time with to just get more comfortable with in general. Um and if I do stick with it, I'll get into it in a second, which characters that I've gravitated towards just mm-hmm. being in the lab. But I also do feel like I've realized that some people like yourself probably are really good with games that have readability. Mm-hmm. So like even to agree with like games like uh, uh, from software games where it comes down to reading the frames and whatnot. I'm not good at that. I'm very instinct based, which is why I'm good at like devil may cry or, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that, where it is all about like speed and quickness or or speed and agility like so you know how to dodge at this moment and all that stuff like that but it's fluid whereas Mm -hmm. with stuff like from software it's kind of like reading that animation in a certain way so you know how to exploit it i'm i'm trash at that so it's Mm -hmm. like that's another reason with like smash brothers i feel like i can just kind of do it all instinctively yeah whereas in this I'll have moments where like I have missed so many times in multiverses where I'm like, I could have sworn I was going to hit them just yeah, now. And yeah. yeah. Um, so although yeah. though, like um, one of the issues that they're currently going through right now, like we didn't talk about in the quick hits, but um, they're redoing their hitboxes because for mm. example, Finn, the down hit for Finn, although it's a down hit, it could also hit above him. And mm-hmm. a lot of people have been capitalizing on that. And that's the thing mm-hmm. that, you know, people have been complaining about. So they're like, okay, we're going to rework that. But they're also just going to rework all the hitboxes because I think other, you know, there's been other problems that people have noticed. I don't know. But like, 
I'm okay at the game, but I'm not like, of course, at the level yet of being like, oh yeah, like I noticed that I'm I'm exploiting that all the time. Like I'm still learning right. like when to do the down smash. And like I think when I look at this and when I compare it to Smash Brothers, I think that this game has a potential of usurping Smash Brothers just because we all have the legacy of Smash and we're all like so used to it. And for this game to come and just hit as well as it did and like to have such a competent like gameplay mechanics and stuff and the fact that multiplayer just works and it is a smooth like interaction and there is no like i have like as many of the matches i've played i've had absolutely no dropouts no lags none of that stuff and the like fourth or fifth game i played of, of smash ultimate online it was just like this is a clusterfuck this is an absolute clusterfuck like I can't hit nobody yeah. like there's obvious lag like so the fact that they then are again Nintendo's it, online is generally worse yeah. exactly I exactly for Smash at least it is at its core a party game and that is exactly. where it's when you like that, that's his bread and butter essentially w- w- like when you say that multiversity is going to surpass Smash I have serious doubts because I believe that well Smash Ultimate is a fantastic game. And I think it will have legs for the entire legacy of the Switch. But when the next Nintendo console comes out, there will be a brand new Smash game, which is going to continue the hype cycle of Super Smash Brothers, which will mm-hmm. exist everything after that. Yeah, if if there's another Smash game, then like for sure, like you know that will definitely like reset the scales or whatever. But I think as yeah, it is right for now, now, like yeah, like I think Multiverses has the ability to take it, and like. I think it has the ability. I'm not necessarily in the belief that it will overtake it. Yeah. Like, I, the thing is, like, nothing, like... Not that it won't be successful, but it... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you mean. I get what you mean, yeah. Like, I, I think, because I'm not a Nintendo person, like, I just like the game so much where I was like, oh, these characters are cool. Oh, Link's cool. Like, the idea... Because there's a rumor of um, the Powerpuff Girls being, like, a, a triple character that you get to play with. Kind of like the, the Ninja Turtles in Mortal Kombat or Pokemon Trainer. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the idea of playing as a Powerpuff Girls is so just like that. That sounds so cool. And the fact of how they treated um, Tom and Jerry and how like that is such a unique character where they're fighting each other while also fighting you at the same time. Like, I agree. I am. I am so excited to see what they do with that. Like, that is one thing that I will give multiverses as well is there is maybe not for everything, but there is a certain amount of character that goes into the play styles of each character so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like, yeah, like great example of Tom and Jerry fighting each other while you're fighting the other person. You know, I think that's yeah. that's great. Or even even like like right now, the gameplay is showing Velma like she has a mechanic where right. she is solving a mystery while fighting. And like if you collect enough clues, you can call the cops on someone. Police! And don't you ever do that. That's very dangerous. Like, that's not a thing that you play with. But she can call the cops on someone and the cop car will come. And if it interacts with the um, opponent, the opponent will be locked in the car and the car will, like, fly off the side of the map. Like, it's things like that. It's just like, man, that's a really, really neat idea to, like, incorporate with this character. Also, Velma's uh, little grab and dash to the end of the level is... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's... A problem. <laughs> oh my gosh. And like you could do that to your teammates too. 
So it's like yeah. you could essentially like kind of save a teammate or kind of screw them like what my teammate did where they like grabbed me and, and basically carried me across the stage and I jumped off and I didn't know what was happening. So I just died. And I was like, nigga, like seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, before I wrap it up so that you can get your stuff off before we uh, end. If I had three characters that I said that I would uh, main right now, mm-hmm. it would be Arya Stark because she basically plays like Marth. Yeah. Um. Harley Quinn and LeBron James. <laughs> LeBron James. <laughs> like I like the way LeBron plays. And he he plays better than I thought he was going to play, but nah, I I fuck with LeBron. Yeah. Right now my characters are mainly Garnet and Finn and like man, I got to say like I'm just happy to be able to play as black characters in these games and it's it's such a small thing but it's just like the fact that the characters are crafted very well and it's just like, oh, this is so cool. And it's just like LeBron James is in a fighting game. Like, I, that's so crazy. But yeah, like right now, like I, I picked up Arya for a bit and like I like her combos and stuff, but I, I need more time with her to like really like, you know, get adjusted with her. But oh, no, yeah, I, was, I fully admit that if I didn't already play with Marth and know his style, I probably would have had a hard time picking up Arya. Yeah. For sure, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's pretty much it. Um, now I want to just really quickly talk about this thing called Zenless Zone Zero. So, uh, I think last week I I was pretty much on the hype train for this thing because the um, beta or alpha was supposed to happen, and I signed up for, it and I was really excited because I was gonna hopefully get into this thing. And 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 be able to talk about like you know really really good impressions about this thing. I, I didn't get into it. Okay, I didn't I didn't get into it because they were only targeting, I guess, more successful streamers or whatever whatever bullshit. I don't care. Anyways, I, I'm not hurt by it or anything. I'm just you know I'm just here. So you know I, I waited to the content was available, and then you know people started posting uh, their gameplay stuff. So um. This game looks exactly how I thought it was going to look, and I am so excited for this thing. It has the speed of, like, Genshin, and it has, like, the combo, what I think of, like, when I look at, like, Devil May Cry. And the characters look so awesome. The aesthetics of it just looks immaculate. It's exactly what I want. So I am so hyped for this game. Now, there is a negative to this. There is a negative that a lot of streamers were just like, what the hell is this? So... This game is positioned as a roguelike where you are in these battles or whatever you're doing stuff. You're basically a computer programmer. You can pick either a um, guy or a girl and you basically play the game from their perspective. And essentially, like these characters that you're actually fighting with are avatars that you pick and play in the game portion of this game. So what you're seeing now is essentially like the game portion where you are battling through these levels to complete whatever task. Like there wasn't really much story in the alpha. So people were just kind of piecing together stuff as they go along with this stuff. Um, I'm really here for the combat, like the story stuff, you know, it'll, it'll happen. I really, really, really like how much of a spectacle, like all the combos are, all the like character changing and the combos, like everything is where I want this game to be. So I am incredibly excited for this thing. I am as well. My only reservation is that 
it's the gotcha-ness of it. Yeah. Like, I just, yeah. like, if this was a free-to-play roguelike with a cast of characters that they released all the time, and it was, like, monetized through, like, cosmetic and non-gameplay stuff, I would be, like, 100% down the clown. But the idea that, like, the game is already, by essence, a grind as a roguelike, and then there's going to be another grind on top of it that is the gotcha system of it kind of turns me off. Mm-hmm. But I'm yeah, still I mean, super interested in it. Like, it, like my, one of my issues with Genshin was that, like, it felt like a mobile game to me. Like for all, oh, the- it's it's definitely not a mobile game. Like, for I, all- I I get that, I get that, but I will say that, like, after spending as much time as I have spent, like, Genshin is a triple A free to play RPG. Like, anyway, that, uh, yeah. Like I said, it felt like a mobile game to me. It felt like a weird Chinese knockoff of Breath of the Wild, a game that I already wasn't a big fan of. And I played like the first 30 minutes of the game. And I'm just like, none of it. It feels like a really bad Tales game, at least in like the first 30 to 45 minutes I played of it. And so I didn't really get much into it. And so I didn't Mm. really get into any of the gotcha stuff because like every aspect of Genshin advertising to me is all the cool characters and things like that, which I didn't really get to really get like my hands on in the first five minutes and then like when i say it feels like a mobile game like the way the game's ui functions the way the game's characters perform in regards to if we're talking about like combos in a game it didn't have the level of complexity that i felt like it should have had in terms of its like character interactions and then also didn't mm. have, like, for all the characters you were gathering, it did the, you controlling one character at a time, there's no little party building, it was like, it, it was a confluence of events that just didn't work for me. I've been excited for Zenless Zone, because it seemed to be something different. My only caveat is, I pray that it isn't as gotcha as it probably will be. Okay. I, I wish you'd spend more time in Genshin, because the issues that you're mentioning are not really the case like party building is is so important like the actual combos themselves are really really deep and it's one of those things where you know when we first started playing Genshin it was a thing of it being a new game to everyone so there wasn't really much work from the community level to like really get into like oh then degree between like you have a Lisa, you have a Noel, or you have a Kaya, like the 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 default characters they give you. It was very much so like, all right, I'm just gonna put these people together because that's just what we have. But like, you know, with time and with the addition of different characters and you able to build your party out to like really how you play and like what your play style is, like you really get a sense of like, okay, this is my team. This is my team because I have Raiden. She triggers her special thing and like everyone now is imbued with electricity or whatever. Like there are so many different options and abilities in that game that really, really diversify like your team and how you play the game. Yeah. Well, in terms of the gotcha, I will say that, yes, like Genshin, the gotcha system or whatever. But Genshin is probably the best gotcha game that I've played in terms of I've been playing it since 2020 and I've spent a total of maybe $15 on that game. And I don't have all the characters, but I have probably probably 65 to 70% of the characters. Like the couple of characters I have are like the like five-star characters, but like it does such a good job of giving you currency because 
it, it's just like Genshin's actually a really generous game when it comes to the gotcha system of it. Like I do I, remember that. Yeah. My yeah, my, like, my my general issue with that is that like you do you do I, have to play the game though. Like that's, that's the my thing. issue. Like, you have to I play don't want I my least favorite thing in all of these type of live service games is grinding a game. I have no interest in doing that. Like I don't want to spend two hours every day playing a single game to get daily to do that. I, I, I hate doing that. Like I love Marvel's Avengers. I would still be playing that game. If there was more content to that game than playing the same parts over and over and over again to grind dailies and weeklies and challenges, things like that. The same yeah. thing with, with all the like Valorant apex, League, all these games, I play their games of service. At this point, I play them because I, I'm genuinely having fun playing the experience of the game, not because, yeah. ooh, I need to earn X, so I, I, I need to do X, Y, and Z so I can earn X so I can do that. That that has no interest to me, which is why when you bring in this gotcha system that, yeah, I don't have to spend money on, but I have to grind to get value out of it, it stops being interesting to me. And then to my point about the party, when I say party, I mean me and three other people flanking me at all times and manipulating those three other characters as separate beings from my central character. Not I'm playing as one character, and then I switch to another, but I'm effectively just same, still in the same loop of a character. I have no problem with that when it comes to Zen with Zone Zero, because as a roguelite experience, I've never really played a, a multiplayer like uh, party RPG roguelite, so it seems like more in line to me. But like when I play a game like Genshin and like the first 30 minutes of it makes me feel like it's a Tales game. I'm like, I kind of want the traditional Tales RPG experience from it. I'm right there with mm. you in that, in terms of like, I do, I, I enjoyed Genshin for the most part when I was playing it, but it got to a point where it just made me want to play Tales because Tales to me is probably my favorite RPG style of combat where you get to have that kinetic energy, but you also have a full party flanking you as well. And I don't really like the, I have to keep switching my, especially because it does, at least from a visual standpoint, Genshin has interesting looking characters. So I'm like, I don't like the fact that I have to keep collecting these characters, but I only see one of them on screen at the time. Like I would rather just run with my crew um, and do that. I, I haven't played enough Genshin to like really have this opinion. I asked this in the chat, didn't really get an answer. Are there cooldowns with the moves in Genshin? Yeah, because I don't yeah. remember. Yeah, that's that's yeah, the they're... mobile game that's out of it. Like when I'm playing at like a hardcore like I Devil May Cry, there's cooldown in multiverses. <laughs> like cooldowns, it's, it's it's a part. Of, it's a it's a mechanic. I wouldn't. I look at the energy mechanic. Like like you have this amount of energy to use for the day. Like to me, that's a mobile thing. And like Genshin has that, but you can get around that by like just playing the game. I, I look at if I'm playing an RPG on my phone, I look at cooldowns that artificially control the uh, the tempo of a battle. And when I'm playing an action game, I really like to have full control over all of my actions and not have them arbitrarily limited by a cooldown system. Like in Devil May Cry, if I wanted to, I could use the special move of every weapon in that game over and over and over again. The only thing limiting it is my inputs and not oh the special move has a cooldown to stop me from using it. That's that's something I did. Though like. admittedly, okay. I mean, that is a very intrinsically Devil May Cry thing because that game's whole purpose is excess. Like, but I don't think I played an action-focused game with heavy cooldowns. I, I think I think right now you're arguing a subjective point of view, which is is fine. Like that's that's just what you like. But I think objectively, like an action game can essentially be whatever as long as there's action to it like the thing is 
as a person that's played a lot of Genshin, like, yes, the cooldown's a thing, but it's never, it's only a problem if you mismanage it. Like, you have four characters to work from, and your abilities are varied, you know, depending on the characters you play. So some of the characters, like, you pop their special, and it's like you get a shield, and you switch to another character, and you're, like, attacking the person. The cooldown's maybe, like, eight seconds or something. But, like, by the time you get through the other three characters, you get back to that character, like, you got the skill again. My thing is, but, I played a lot of free-to-play gotcha mobile games, and they all have fucking cooldowns on all of your abilities. And when I play action games yeah. on not mobile free-to-play things, cooldowns aren't a thing that they use in those systems. So when I brought up the mobileness of the cooldown system in terms of character abilities, I'm like, okay, this is very much a thing I've seen in a lot of mobile games. But there is a disconnect where Genshin is an action RPG as opposed to just a full action game. So like, I think in most RPGs, there's cooldowns, whether it's MP or what have you. Well, like there, there's a difference between MP cooldowns and actual cooldowns. If we remember- But, but that's, old, yeah. Yeah, we remember one of our oldest conversations about like Dragon Age. I hated the first Dragon Age for having both MP cooldowns and action cooldowns. I'm like, you pick a lane, you pick one of them. If I want to spam yeah. one move over and over again and waste all my MP, let me. Or remove MP and make it a purely strategic managing cooldowns. Uh, uh, Diablo. Diablo has cooldowns. Diablo's an action game. Diablo's a, a RPG game. Like, that's not a mobile game. Like, yes, there's a I mobile think... version of it, but it starts as a mobile game. We are in the weeds at this point because initially yeah. we were just talking about Zenless Zone Zero. I only have one question. Is Zenless Zone Zero a single player game or can you join up with like I don't know. I, I'm I'm assuming it's gonna be a single player thing. Like I haven't seen anything or heard anything about multiplayer. Okay. Because like, the gameplay looks cool. And yeah, I was it yeah. was just one of those situations where if you could link up with people, that'd be kind of dope to like get together on that and fuck shit up. But yeah. This still might be something I check out because I do like the yeah. way that the action looks. So the one thing that I wanted to point out about Zen Zone Zero before we wrap up was the fact that the part that you see, like the gameplay part is cool, but the roguelike aspect of it is super strange in that it's basically a screen with a bunch of TVs and like your little avatar character kind of traverses through the different TVs. And like if you hit a TV that has like a special screen on it, you get like I think like a buff or a debuff or something or it might take you into a battle. So the hope is that that is just a like placeholder kind of thing for uh, later development because there's no real explanation of it. You're just kind of there and you're kind of like a lot of the streamers just like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And like they actually had to realize they were supposed to click on the screen to like traverse. So there wasn't really much explanation of it. And it was kind of just a weird like aspect to the game. So the, the hope is that this is all either explained or it's implemented a lot better. So it makes more sense, but we don't know. But right now, like the gameplay is sort of the thing that everyone's focusing on. And so far, a lot of people like it. But yeah, yeah, that's going to be it because we are way over time right now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and much of you enjoyed making it. Don't forget to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Don't forget to like, subscribe and hit the notification button for your favorite YouTube channel. That's our channel. Uh, in case you miss any of this information, you can find all that and more on our website at pressxnumber2start.com. Uh, until next time, we'll be, of course, talking about more games and more gaming news.
You take care. You be safe. And you have a great day. Peace.